Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Our God is good. We have a great week ahead of us. Uh, You know, I don't know about you, but I love Thanksgiving. But I also struggle with Thanksgiving. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with the day of Thanksgiving. And, and when we think about it, when we talk about it a little bit, one of the reasons I love Thanksgiving is because, well, guess what? Great food, right? Everybody loves great food. But I hate how that great food makes me feel when I'm done eating that great food, right? I love Thanksgiving. I love hanging out with my family and and my friends. Anybody enjoy family time? But for my introverts in the room, how many of us would you would say, oh, I just want to spend some time and veg out and not talk to anybody today, right? Especially that crazy uncle in stretch pants. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, love Thanksgiving. I, I love the deals, the shopping you see at Thanksgiving. Anybody like that, right? Like everybody's like, hey, Black Friday. And it's like they already started it three weeks ago. And, but I hate spending the money, right? Love and hate in this Thanksgiving season. I don't know if you know it or not, but Jesus, he always came into, the, when he would come, he, he, he had this way with people, the scenario, the scenes around him where he would say one thing over here and, and it would be divisive in a sense. It would be opposition. It would be contrast. I mean, when it came to Jesus in someone's life and we're a church that's all about Jesus, people either loved him or they hated him. He would preach often love or hate. He would say either you can be for him or you're against him. There's times when Jesus would, would, would speak and people would follow. It'd be either I'm going to serve, I'm going to worship Jesus with complete devotion, or there's going to be this moment of complete rejection. When it came to Jesus in his life, and we would see him all throughout the times and, and, the, and, and through his life, we would see him where it'd be love and hate and devotion, rejection. It would be, it would be faith or unbelief. There's always these contrasts that circulated around Jesus because Jesus came and what we're thankful for is he gave us a new perspective, a new way to see in life. Today we're going to be diving into a story where we see two contrasts and we're going to challenge ourselves. So I'm going to invite you to join me, John chapter 12, verse 1. It's a familiar story for many of us. But it's one where we see in this season of Thanksgiving how it can be very helpful to navigate some of life's questions, some of life's big concerns. So John chapter 12, verse 1, if you're with me, you can also follow along on the screen. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served. And I love that little detail because if you know anything about Martha, she got in trouble a time or two for serving. But here she's commended. Here she has said, hey, you serve. And Lazarus was among those who ate with him, him being Jesus. 
Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, which is spiked nard from the northern region of India. When you read this, you know, it's, it's funny, right? Whenever you look at cologne or perfume, it's always named the real expensive stuff something really goofy, right? Like, hey, go get the bottle of nard. Can't wait, you know, like I'm going to smell good now. I can just see this all playing out. Whenever I read scripture, that's a conversation I have in my mind. And then she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Huge right there. The house was filled with fragrance, but Judas Iscariot and the disciples who would soon betray him said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold for money and given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. You know, a lot of times when we read Scripture, we read it as if this is taking place. John, the author, is looking back and he's like, Judas was the thief. Judas is the one who would steal. Judas had some very big issues. And then... In verse 7 and 8, Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Let's pray over this morning's reading of God's Word. God, we give you this time right now. Anoint us, open our hearts. May we become uh, people who are modeling our hearts after yours. In your great and holy name, we all say, amen. So where do we begin? When it comes to this, this idea of contrast, we see two contrasts that take place, and it's what we'll be talking about today. When we find generosity, we will also find selfishness competing. You see, this radical act of generosity, the story gives us two graphic contrasts of two hearts. It makes you ask a lot of questions. You see the first heart, you see this lady by the name of Mary who had this radical spirit of generosity. She was willing to, to give, and you have to ask, you're saying, you would pour all this perfume over this man's, man's, man's body, his, his feet, and, and then you would degrade yourself, Mary, in Jewish custom, and you would wipe his feet with your hair? I mean, this is the lowest of the low in this Jewish culture, in this, in this Jewish landscape. It was mind-boggling. Maybe you ask a lot of questions. Why so extravagant? Why do that, Mary? Like, uh, for some of us to really, to grip it, I want you to put a figure in your mind. How much money, the most money you've ever made, an annual salary, put that in your mind right now, and then think about how much that perfume costs. It's like saying, hey, I'm giving all this perfume, I'm gonna break this bottle over this man's feet. Well, why? I mean, it's crazy to think about. We'll answer that question toward the end, but then on the contrast of Mary's heart of generosity, we see this heart of great selfishness. This man by the name of Judas saying, you're dumping all that out? Are you crazy? I don't know what you're thinking, Mary. Like, come on, we could, we, we could to take that, we could multiply that, we could work with that. Well, Judas was known as a thief. It's an impure motives right there. In John 12, verse 5, I love how the, the message puts it. It says, why wasn't this oil sold and money given to the poor? It would have easily brought 300 silver pieces. 
He said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Two contrasts of heart. Generous heart, selfish heart. No matter what, even you find conflict in your life. When you're living a life of generosity, you'll have moments where you feel like God's leading, prompting, and saying, hey, I need to be generous in this space with your times, talents, and treasures. But then you'll have a couple moments and say, ah, man, I don't really know if I need to take that step. Anybody ever been there? You know, like God's calling you to do something, and, and you think about it, and you almost talk yourself out of doing something generous? I've had moments where I've had to really question and think about my generosity and, and think about things. Uh, I was driving with a friend one day, and uh, we we're in the city of Las Vegas, and I used to live there, and, and we're driving through the city. We come to a stoplight, and I said, yeah, I think that is gated community on our left, and I point back, and I was like, someone told me that's where such and such lives, a, 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 a pastor and a phenomenal church, and, and my friend looks over at me, and he goes, man, that house is way too big. If I lived there, I would, I would sell it and give all the money that I possibly could. I was like, huh, oh, it's interesting perspective. Like, you don't know how this man has maybe lived his life. Okay. So I proceed to go drop my friend off at his house. First time I've ever been to his house. And I go, man, if I lived in your house, I would sell your house I would give all the money because it was twice as big as mine, nicer than mine, you know? And so I'm like, it's all perspective. We call this dressed up spirituality, fake spirituality. Comes out in different statements. Judas had fake spirituality. He says, hey, let's, let's, let's give this money away. Let's give your, anoint, your anointing perfume. Let's give that away and, 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 and give it away to the poor. Use the money for the poor. And what's crazy to think about is a lot of times we don't even realize when some of these statements are made, dressed up fake spirituality. Judas was exhibiting that. When you look at it throughout uh, our modern times, our day and age, have you, you ever been around people who are like, oh man, that's too much of an expensive car? Fake spirituality comes out and like, oh man, that purse, whoo, that's too expensive of a purse. My favorite line when it comes to dress up fake spirituality is this, is like, man, if I had all that money, I would be doing something for the Lord, you know? And we kind of talk ourselves up in this, this fake spirituality. And we have this contrast a little bit. I don't even think at times... We recognize when we, when we move into the space of fake spirituality, of this dressing it up, of this, this moment of saying, hey, do I have a generous heart or do I have a heart that is, is selfish? Because I think a lot of times we ask ourselves this question, what's in it for me? We let that lead our lives. We let, hey, what's in it for me? Do, do I get it? And if you think about every situation, every decision you make, one of the leading top questions you'll ask yourselves at the root of it, hey, what's in it for me? See, anytime we find generosity, we'll find selfishness competing. Anytime we find generosity, we'll find selfishness competing. Judas says she wasted money, but Judas missed her extravagant worship. Judas led with the question, what's in it for me. Judas led with the question, is this the best 
decision, but missed the extravagant worship. I wish more people understood those moments where we see that, hey, a life about generosity is contrast, is, is different, and is so much different than a life of selfishness. See, where generosity exists, so will selfishness, either externally or internally. And when we identify the extremes, we have to also measure where we get it at, where it's revealed, and where we understand it. And it's by knowing this. We will always be tempted in our areas of weakness. We'll always be tempted in our areas of weakness. You might ask yourselves, does God really want me to fail and give me responsibility of that weakness? God, like, why, do you want me to fail? Absolutely not. God doesn't want you to fail. God wants you to win. God's for you. God wants you to, to know that he's with you, that he believes in you, that he loves you. But the only way to get past our weakness is to confront our weakness. Like if you think about it, if Judas had a role here in our church, you know what he would be doing? He'd be the guy that's overseeing the offering boxes on the way out. But the guy's known as a thief in Scripture. He was always skimming a little bit off the top. Major weakness. A lot of times we exhaust ourselves when it comes to avoiding weaknesses. Anybody ever had that moment when, when you see someone and you're like, dude, I want to avoid that person. And so you're walking over here and you're like, I don't want to be near that person. Right? Or, or we avoid our credit card statement because we know, whoa, we swiped one too many times this week. And we want to avoid that weakness of overspending. Oftentimes, God will give you a responsibility to address and to shape the character that he's desiring to see in your life. So rather than looking at an opposition or an obstacle as something you can't get past or something you can't get over or get through, look as an opportunity for God to shape your heart. There's moments when I've had instances where I'm like, I do not want to engage in this, in this situation, this circumstance with this person, but I have to pause and say, God, what are you trying to work in my life right now? Ever been there? You've ever wanted to avoid something? And we spend so much energy going the roundabout way, making excuses, doing this. And God's saying, hey, let me just shape your heart. When we talk about the reward of generosity, when we talk about these areas, God's wanting to shape our hearts. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul puts it this way. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than what you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you the way out so that you can endure. One of the biggest temptations and tests that we have is what to do with our money. What to do with our resources that God's blessed us with. What to do when we have a little something. What do we do? Jesus put it very plainly for us in Luke chapter 16, verses 11 and 12. He said, Jesus said this, and if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful in other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? So we have to go back and ask ourselves a question, well, what are the true riches of heaven? 
The true riches of heaven, look to your left, look to your right. Look in front of you, look behind you. Think of your coworkers, think of your neighbors. It's people. The true riches of heaven are people. I always kind of got fascinated when it's talking about the true riches of heaven are people. Like, God, like you're calling me a true wealth of heaven? See, our offerings are populated heaven and plundering hell. When you give, it's going, you heard a giving moment by Pastor Chris, it's going to impact lives outside of this wall, of these walls of this church. It's going to rewrite someone's destiny, rewrite someone's eternity in this Thanksgiving time. The thing that we have to be most thankful for are the people around us. Can you, can, can you just value those people you know? and say, you're the true riches of heaven. God, thank you for that person. Thank you. God, you see us. You know us. People being saved, that's the price of handling worldly wealth well. That's the prize that God gives us. We have a mission here. Know God. Discover, help people discover their purpose. Help people become a difference maker in their communities. We exist here in Southwest Florida as a church family to see lives radically transformed so that people can know Jesus in a very real, life-changing way, so that they can be and fulfill their destiny of being true riches of heaven. I want to pause a little bit, too, and say true riches of heaven begin in our households. True riches of heaven, uh, I'm, I'm blown away because... Many of us have families, connected to families. But if our weakness is money and we haven't given that over to God, and our weakness is saying, hey, God, I'll, I'll, I'll handle all this well over here, but man, I won't tithe, I won't give, I won't live a lifestyle of generosity like you're asking me to do. And yet Jesus says, hey, uh, you'll be entrusted with the true riches of heaven. It, it's kind of fascinating to me is saying, hey, Jesus has given us people in our lives and our sphere. As a parent, I think of my sons, I think of my daughter, and I say, God, you've entrusted me with them. They're the true riches of heaven. But God, let me walk by the way in a lifestyle of generosity like we hear about when we read and we, and we preach and we teach about Mary because, hey, it's this lifestyle that I want to model for my children. I can't tell my children, hey, be generous, live like Jesus lived if I don't establish it first and foremost in my home. I, I would say the, the reason my sister is serving the Lord, that I'm serving the Lord, and I'm praying that, that, that our legacy and our heritage continues is because from a very early age, my father demonstrated generosity, a lifestyle of generosity. Not just in his tithes and offerings, but with people. Walking around town, he would pick up people's lunches. There would be times when I was in college and I'd be like, Dad, please don't give that person a dollar. I know what they're going to do. And he'd be like, hey, God told me to. And I, and I would sit there and in my youth, I would be frustrated and be like, Dad, you're wasting your money. And he would just sit there, it's not my money anyway. But then you would fast forward, I was like, as an adult, I'm like, I get it now. 
The reason I feel like, my, like I turned out all right, I have a passionate relationship with the Lord, my sister's pursuing the Lord, is because it began in the home and, and the true riches that were entrusted to my father. See, offerings, when we give, it's always a taboo subject. We don't like to talk about it in church. People are like, here we go, preacher, preaching about offering. But I tell people this all the time because if you want to see the success in your family lineage, it begins in your homes and it begins in a lifestyle of generosity. It begins with a lifestyle of worship like Mary has because our offerings, they're populating heaven and they're plundering hell. And I love when people get it. I love when you see life transformation. Coming up, we have what we call our legacy offerings taking place December 10th. Um, you can see uh, we have some projects that we're going to be attacking. And here's what our legacy offering looks like. Um, we're, we're talking first two avenues. First one is faith projects. We have kids and youth audiovisual updating. We have tech and technology, as you know, is expensive. As you know, it can be challenging. Uh, but we have some projects that are well overdue. So there's some sound systems, some lighting, some tech for our little ones, all the way up to our next gen that we need to update over 20, 15 years old that we can't find parts for and just need a re-overhaul. But we also have an amazing roof that we're getting repaired. Uh, and what I'm saying amazing roof is if you've been with us for our journey for some time is that we've had a roof that's 23 years old, 25 years old, and we're getting that replaced. Uh, we have a big leak in our youth room, and I was going to go get pictures and show you, but hey, we're getting a new roof put on today or, or this month, hopefully, in the month of December, but it's taking some financing to do it and see that project through. So our legacy offering, we're asking us to come together as a collective to say, hey, what can we do to tackle some of our household projects? We call it legacy because we want it to be a generational thing. That, that what Pastor Chris was talking about, how we are blessed to have this facility. We want to leave it for our children's and our children's children and expand and grow and, call and follow the vision that God's given us. But then we also don't want to be just here locally for ourselves. We want to think abroad and we want to think in missions realm. Fire Bible is an organization we partner with. We partner with an organization called Convoy of Hope. We sent a group down to the city of Palms Park yesterday uh, during Saturday and they were serving at a Convoy of Hope event. There's other things. I got a call from a missionary this week, an orphanage that we've supported and helped build in Thailand. They're looking to do some Christmas bonuses and different things for their students and for their children. Many kids don't have a place to go. So we're coming up on December 10th. We are having a legacy offering. We're going to be asking you from this time to then to be praying about how God might use you how God might call you, how you can make a difference in someone's life. We're difference makers here. Sometimes it's local, sometimes it's global, sometimes it's national, and we wanna come apart and be a part of that. But for some of us, this is a very unique time because, I mean, hey, we feel I gotta spend gifts over there, I gotta spend gifts over here, we gotta spend, spend, spend. But the first response we should have is that response of worship and of generosity the way Mary led out the way Mary showed us. So I'm gonna challenge you with that because ultimately when it's all said and done, once we start seeing and trusting God do something radical in our life, God rewards us with our generosity.
God rewards our generosity. God rewards our generosity if you're following along with us. Because here's the thing. We're not generous here at faith because, well, hey, we're supposed to be. We're not generous here at faith because we have to be. We're not generous here at faith because it's something good Christians do. We're generous at faith simply because we're grateful. We're generous at faith because we're grateful. You know, I always thought it was interesting. You know, Mary in this moment, and she's having this dialogue, and, and she's with the disciples, and she's in front, and, and, and she, she goes and has this moment with Jesus right before his death, a little approximately a week before Jesus goes to the cross. So I asked earlier, why, Mary, were you so extravagant with your worship? You click back over to John 11. She has this brother by the name of Lazarus. Lazarus, if you know a little bit of his story, he was a man that Jesus raised from the grave. He was dead for four days. Lazarus happened to be Mary's brother. In fact, you read just another verse in our text today. It says the, the religious leaders of the town and Bethany, people who were mad and frustrated, they wanted to kill Lazarus because he was raised from the grave. Like the irony of it. But see, here's the thing, when Mary having this relationship with her brother, he, he goes and he's in a tomb, like it's signed, it's sealed, it's over for Lazarus. Jesus shows up on the scene and he restores that relationship. He raises Lazarus from the grave. One of Mary's most significant people in her life, Jesus saw true riches in him and, and, and brings him back. Think of the most significant relationship you have in your mind right now. Imagine the worst and then imagine a God, imagine God bringing them back. How you can't even fathom how you would feel. Lost my husband. Man, Jesus comes walking through and, and brings him out of the tomb? Mind-blowing. See, it made this turn in the story when it comes to, to, to Mary and, and Jesus. Mary was generous, not because, you know, it was something good people do. Mary was generous because she was so grateful of what God and what Jesus did in her life. Church, that's why we're a generous church. See, generosity is a byproduct of our gratitude, of our gratefulness. I think a lot of times we struggle to, to be people of generosity because we don't understand the magnitude of how much we should be grateful for. And when we get how much we're supposed to be grateful for, then it is no problem to live a generous lifestyle. In Mark chapter 14, verse eight, we actually see three different accounts and this is fascinating to me. She has done what she could. Her most prized possession, the net worth of her life. She'd done what she could, Mary, and she has anointed the body for burial ahead of time. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 10, but Jesus, aware of this, replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing? Verse 11, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She poured the perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. 
And in verse 13, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. God rewards generosity. See, we never give to get, we never give to have this idea of saying, oh, I'm gonna go famous like Mary. She gave with this right heart of saying, God, I'm coming before Jesus, I'm coming before you because I'm grateful for the life change that you've had in my life. I'm grateful for everything you've done in my life. I'm grateful for the new life that you've given. See, Judas operated in this selfishness sphere. It's interesting, you read the other translation, or you read the other uh, episodes of this and the other gospels, Judas wasn't the only one around the table that actually thought Mary did something crazy. And the other, in the other parts of the other gospels in Matthew and Mark, you see that the, the other disciples, they said they were indignant. They were frustrated and angry that Mary did this to Jesus. So Jesus is actually, and they say they talked harshly to Mary. And, and Jesus is like saying, no, she was understanding who he was in her life. She was understanding who Jesus was in her life. My hope for you today is not only do you live a life of generosity, but that you understand who Jesus is in your life. Here in just a moment, I'm gonna talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus, but I wanna close in this story. Because it was a pinch me moment my wife and I had this yesterday. Um, we, we hang up our Christmas lights yesterday. And uh, yeah, some of us, our neighbors drove by and they were like, hey, a little early for the Christmas lights, huh? I was like, absolutely not, we're late. Like we usually are the front end of November. And uh, so we're hanging them up. And of course it's every year when we hang out Christmas lights, my wife and I get into a fight. I'm just to be honest with you. Like, like we get into a heated discussion. We get into a moment where it's like, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. And, and I kid you not, like out of 10 years we've been married, my wife has been pregnant through half of them. So I'm like, come on girl, like help me out here. And, and we're going through this and we're frustrated. It's kind of like led throughout the day and we come home, we have the timer set. So the lights click on when we come home the evening and, and we get outside and we're taking a picture of the family and we just have this pinch me moment. And we just remember sit, like sitting there and be like, man, Brittany, would you ever told your 20 year old self, this is the kind of life we'd be living? That we'd be right here and that our kids would be be healthy and, and that God's doing something amazing at our church and, and we're meeting so many people we love and we care like man Brittany we're blessed we're blessed and we had this pinch me moment some of you need to know that God sees you God cares for you and the greatest gift you can receive is starting a relationship with Jesus. The greatest reward you can experience is when you give your life to Jesus. He will do something in your life. 
you can't even imagine, you can't think about, you're like, mind is blown and you're having a pinch me moment. With that being said, I'm gonna ask us if we'll all stand together, we're gonna close in a song prayer team is going to come forward. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to begin a relationship with him, I invite you to come pray with one of our prayer partners. Some of you have been holding on to your heart. You've been selfish with your heart. You've been just gripping it tight and you don't want to let it go. I'm challenging you right now. Give it to God. Give it to God. Whatever hang up, mess up, problem you have, give it to God. Church, let's continue to lead a life of generosity. Let's continue to trust him. Let's expect him to do what only he can do. Let's pray together. Let's pray. God, we give you this time. We worship you. We praise you for those making a decision to follow you. Lord, we are crying out to you. Help us to be a generous people. Help us to be who you've called us to be. God, for those who are taking that bold step to come forward and pray, Lord, we're asking right now, reward them and reward their life. Lord, you are our God we serve. Lead us, guide us. In your great and holy name, we all say. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.